Hey everybody, it's Joe Trippy, and welcome back to That Trippy Show. This week, Alex is on the road, but don't worry, we have a very special guest joining us. He's going to be, Alex is going to be really ticked off that he missed this one. I'm on the board for the Brady campaign to prevent gun violence. We'll get more into some of their work on today's show. And a few weeks ago at their annual gala, I ran into someone I've crossed paths with online, but never had a chance to really talk to. Actor, producer, activist Bradley Whitford, from The West Wing to Transparency and The Handmaid's Tale to his work on pro-democracy, you know, defending democracy and, and to take action to reduce gun violence in our country. I, I have long admired Bradley Whitford, and it, wow, it's just an honor to have you on the show today, Bradley. Well, thank you, Joe, but you should aim higher. <laughs> no, it's okay. Look, I, I really just want to have a back and forth conversation about, yeah. you know, uh, what's going on and, you know, in our politics and in the country right now. You know, one of the things that, that I've always admired, though, is, you know, you know, is is not just, I mean, the, the roles you've played and, and the impact that the, the shows that you've been involved in have had, I think, on the country or it wake people up about things, but also that you've you've used your platform to advocate hard for issues that you believe in. Uh, uh, you know, gun violence is one where we've connected. But I wondered, yeah, how did that happen? I mean, did you wake up one day and say, "Hey, I got to say something," or were you always like this? Or I was raised in a a Quaker family, and it was sort of pounded. You know, Sunday school was about you know reforming the prison system. The idea of faith was always some sort of fight for justice or it was meaningless. Uh, that was part of my part of my family. My my brother, I, I saw the, you know, my dad was an odd duck. He was a progressive Democrat who was in a Republican world of businessmen. I'm very proud that my dad, you know, I didn't realize it then, but in, in Madison, Wisconsin, he was uh, and it wasn't a controversial thing to do back then, but um, he, you know he was president of Planned Parenthood in Madison. Uh, it, it was an issue that was important right. to him as a father. My brother was a conscientious objector. Uh, we're Quaker uh, during the Vietnam War. At one point, he didn't go to prison, but at one point, I vividly remember my mother screaming. So the consequences of of the political world were, I think, present. For me, people always say, was it the West Wing that did it? And it certainly turbocharged it mm -hmm. uh, because I was suddenly, you know, one thing uh, you've worked with a lot of. Be careful here. Be, be, be nice. OK, be, be nice. <laughs> yes. No, you've worked with a lot of people in politics and it's easy to be cynical about politicians and certainly show uh, in show business they were either either you know treated in a sentimental heroicized way or they were a joke right yeah and west wing tried to present uh a clearly positive but more realistic um sense of that and people in dc were thrilled <laughs> right yeah you know, to be heroicized uh, in a way that, you know, lawyers and doctors are, you know, it had never happened. When West Wing, uh, you know, the whole idea when nobody thought West Wing was going to be what it became because political shows didn't work. Right. Uh, which I always thought was crazy. 
uh, now we see that, that that all different genres of political shows work. The Macbeth version in House of Cards, the pulpy version in Scandal, uh, the aspirational version uh, in, in the West Wing, Veep, one of my favorite shows right. of, all, of, 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 of all time. So, But what was happening is that I was, uh, my first child was born in 97, and uh, I was, ended up having, you know, three little kids at the beginning of the 90s, right at this moment that I had more visibility from the West Wing. And I realized it goes to something that I feel very strongly about. And this may seem odd coming from me, but I think I spoke a little bit about this at the Brady thing. I think the reason we are at this treacherous moment uh, where minority rule in terms of issues like uh, choice, uh, access to health care, climate, guns, we're at the mercy of a minority of radical conservatives who we need to learn from, because I think they understand the truth, which is that politics is the way you create your moral vision. We on the left tend to think, I'm not talking about heroic Americans like political consultants like you, Joe, but we on the, we on the left tend to think that it's what I do, that it's culture that creates your moral vision. And we tend to abdicate our connection, especially to local and state politics, awareness of the importance of the judiciary. And I always say that the West Wing won't help you if you had a pre-existing condition. Handmaid's Tale, big hit, won't help you if you're a rape victim in Ohio right, right now. You need, it is, and I'm not diminishing the cultural importance of, of the power of culture to create a moment, but we tend to not follow through. We tend on the left. We uh, let's look at the gun. Uh, um, look at the gun issue. How yeah. many shootings? How many shootings do we have to see? You right. know, uh, finally at the school shootings, it wasn't even us. It was the victims of gun violence, those right. kids in Parkland, who had to create one of the greatest, one of the largest protests ever. And we'll do the diagnosis, which is absolutely important. The march, it took us seeing, you know, George Floyd. We'd seen, you, you know, African, African-American after African-American being shot in the back. That didn't do it. Suddenly we're summoned by the raw horror of this. We do the diagnosis, but we don't tend to have the Stacey Abrams persistence that that right. the right succeeds because the gun yeah, the gun we need to be uh, it's it's almost like a a civic extracurricular for us we uh, we're horrified by the shooting well the gun lobby the right is pursuing a business agenda fueled right. by culture wars they're there every day yeah it's not an extracurricular they don't need a school shooting to uh, uh, to inspire them to work harder at what they're trying to do. Uh, and th I, I always end up doing this. I always end up excoriating the converted. Yes. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, you're right. I mean, look, we've had 162 plus mass shootings this year as of last week. 
you know, and again, that'll, that'll, you know, people want to do so. That's why I, I wanted to ask you specifically, how yeah. did you get involved in the, the Brady uh, campaign? How did that, how did that, how did you get connected there? Were, this is where, uh, just so you know, as I said, and we entered the show, uh, they, they had a gala uh, last week or a couple of weeks ago, and uh, Bradley was there. And I, I couldn't believe it. I had to run over and and uh, and talk to you because I I I I wanted to ask you to come on the show, but uh, oh, yeah. I didn't understand. I I don't have much. I wanted to hear how you got involved in it. Well, you know, first of all, I grew up in Wisconsin where there were guns everywhere. Right. I remember, you know, my buddy. Stu Ross picking me up for carpool and, you know, sitting on a rifle and some severed deer legs and guns were around and uh, my uncle in Texas, like, you know, I'm not just a Quaker theater boy who's like terrified of, of I've gone shooting, I've gone shooting with my son. Sure. Yeah. The thing that really got me active was a very weird thing. I, um, you know, the thing I was just ranting about, I had an emotional reaction, the Parkland shooting and I'm sitting and I'm watching and I'm, we're going through this again. And Anderson Cooper's, you know, got his heartbreak broken, genuinely heartbroken tone. Um, and he showed a picture of Jamie, uh, Guttenberg, yeah, who's Fred, Fred yeah. Guttenberg's daughter, who looked very much like my daughter. My daughter is a dancer and, you know, I had always contributed. I hadn't been that active. I ended up running into Fred and I was wearing his daughter's, uh, ribbon and we ended up talking a lot and, I and you know, one thing I do feel is, and I'm conflicted about it, a lot less conflicted about it now than I than I used to be. But I do think that, uh, not surprisingly, celebrity is pretty stupid uh, when you're on the receiving end of it. You're you're getting a lot of attention, and I think that there, uh, uh, for me, it's very important to be aware of how I want to spend it, and the thing I can do is you know bring awareness you know uh to different issues and i just wanted to amplify what fred was going through i realize that issues i've really connected with uh, uh it's very upsetting to me that on so many issues in this country we let the victims of horrible tragedy and injustice we leave the solutions to them you you, you know yeah. What Fred is through is, you know, is obscene. Fred will talk about his shame surrounding the fact that this issue was not on his radar right. until yeah. his his family went through this horrific tragedy. When people like Fred, people like Adi Barkin, who's a dear friend of mine who has uh, ALS and became a healthcare advocate, people who... They tend to be the people that uh, religions are founded on, people who take their unspeakable suffering and use it as an opportunity to alleviate it in others, inspire the fuck out of me. So Fred, are you allowed to say fuck here? Yeah, of course. In- yeah, yeah, no. And Fred, I, I got to tell you, I've been you know involved with Brady for four or five years, uh, at least, uh, you know, became a board member. But somewhere during COVID, I can't remember when... I happened to be at something that Fred was at. We, I, I ran into him. I didn't know who he was. It, it wasn't as we started talking, but 
the more I just connected with him in a way. I mean, it, 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 the emotion, the courage that that guy had, the fierceness oh on this issue, and relives it every time this stuff happens. But oh, he, uh, yeah, you know, whenever these shootings happen, we ended up connecting and honestly staying in touch. Yeah, because every time there's a goddamn obscene unnecessary slaughter i would stay in touch with him just because yeah. i knew I, I i i couldn't imagine uh what that was like i find him in absolutely incredibly brave and inspiring and he asked me i wrote the he asked me to write the intro to uh, to one of his uh books and you know he's someone that i just want to take all of this. It really is, you know, I got lucky at a high school extracurricular activity. Like you really want to take it and, you know, make it do something. Also, this is, uh, you know, I've become more and more active. Um, I didn't see, you know, I feel like the, the democracy and, and I think the gun issue, have you read Ryan Bussey's book? Uh, gunfight. Yes, yes, yeah. Which I thought, uh, I I just saw Ryan yesterday. Where to think for Gabby Gifford? I would encourage everybody who's interested in this issue yeah. to read Gunfight because Ryan, not technically, but basically, basically built a gun manufacturing outfit. Uh, was a celebrated, uh, committed salesman of guns, and it's the inside story. And he uses the word, he says that the gun issue is actually the evolution of the NRA and the insane moment that we have got to gotten to with guns is kind of he I think he uses the word totemic in terms of uh, it, it really explains a lot about Trumpism and the rise of, uh, you know, it's the it's the rise of fascism. It's it's it's. I, I want to know where you like I'm at this very weird place where politically I am in I, I, I am bewildered by their incentives. They seem to be doubling down with their extremity in uh in order to fire up their base. Right. Yeah. So what they're doing is very disturbing, which gives me hope politically, especially in the wake of the Dobbs decision. I do a lot of stuff in Wisconsin, which I want to talk to you about. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if something goes wrong, I feel like it's over. If oh yeah, yeah. If if a MAGA person, whether it's you know Trump or DeSantis or uh, um, they don't believe in democracy, I'm wondering how you're feeling. You know, we came on in a lot of ways. I mean, I had been a $15 a day organizer in the 80s and 90s, you know, working my way through through politics and stuff. And we kind of, you know, as the West Wing was starting to roar in the Howard Dean campaign took off in 2003, 2004. And I, and I thought, look, this internet thing, it's really going to connect people. We can use it to enable and empower people to, to be a positive force. I, it, you know, maybe I was way too, you know, sort of utopian about it and didn't, and clearly didn't look at the, the dystopia. I mean, just the, the, yeah. the, you know, the way 
I, although I did say at the time, look, you know, the technology and all this interconnectedness doesn't know whether the, the you know, the people using it are good or bad. It's just going to be powerful technology that, 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 you know, can, can motivate people to get to this place that we are today. I mean, Radley, yeah, cause I agree with you is the, to the place where it, it's actually helped fracture us, help people uh, who want to deliver disinformation and scare the living daylights out of everybody out there. I mean, that's what this, it, it's a lot, it's not just the, the fear of the other that they're creating, but I also think sort of a fear of the future, you know, that the thundering hordes coming after, they're coming up here, 700,000 strong are going to cross the border and they're coming for you, so go buy a gun now. Uh, I mean, it's all this, this sort of built on, the, and, and Trump and DeSantis know exactly how to feed it. And yes. it's kind of like, you know, I, I had uh, I've talked about this before on the podcast. You know, I, we, in the Dean campaign, we had Blog for America, which I thought was kind of this ingenious way for, for the campaign and, and, and Howard to connect directly with people uh, who came on the blog and commented. Um, and then, and, and it did. I mean, we were connecting, you know, Bradley, that's a great idea. Howard's going to do it tonight, you know, kind of thing where you could actually feel like you owned part of the yeah, thing. Yeah, like you're, you're crowdsourcing and connecting with your with your. Yeah, people. exactly. But what happened is, guess who perfected that? It was, you know, when I woke up one day and Donald Trump is on Twitter and Twitter's his blog for America. <laughs> we built it. I mean, we had to build our oh, own yeah. platform. It's, it's built for him. It's got millions of people on it and he's doing the same exact thing. And it's a, it is a, uh, something that the, the, what I would say now is the problem we've got is a lot of the media and a lot of, and too many Americans still think that there are two parties, uh, you know, sort of two parties and they'll fight over things, but everything will be okay. It always is, even after their stupid fight about debt ceiling or whatever it is that we're all right. fighting about. Instead, the problem is this is an autocratic authoritarian movement now that wants to dest destroy democracy and seize power yeah. because they can't win elections, you know, going to the ballot booth against all the rest of us who are pro-democracy and want to, and, and that that's what we have to fixate on right now, that this is democracy versus, versus a coup. And that what we need to do is, yeah, you may have a difference of opinion about about a whole bunch of different issues from marginal tax rates to gun, you know, to, to gun legislation. But whatever those differences are, come together if you're for democracy. Yeah, absolutely. And join together to save it. Then we can go have the arguments about the other, you know, we can have that argument about mar marginal tax rates and stuff. But right now, no, you're, I, I think you're absolutely right. We've talked about it on the podcast many times that 2024 in particular, uh, and I know people are tired and exhausted, but that's what authoritarians try to do. Yes. They want you to be exhausted and give up, you know, give up the fight. But this one's going to be, if we, if it goes bad, it's going to go really bad. I think I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, look, I, you know, I have a, a couple of reactions to what you said. One was, yeah. Oh, wow. The internet's great. Like yeah. nursing others who are struggling are going to be able to get together. Well, so are the fucking Nazis. Yeah, exactly. You know? And Trump, I disagreed uh, with George Bush, with W, you know, on almost everything 
he looks like Abby Hoffman now. He's like painting his toes and seems like a sane human. <laughs> yeah. He's like a sane human, sane human being. But I know that George Bush, I know that W was, uh, you know, even if I totally disagreed with him, was genuinely upset he couldn't unite us. And I know yeah. that Clinton was, and I know that Bush's dad was, and I know that Obama was. Donald Trump never wanted to yeah. unify us. And what is unprecedented is you can always stoke most politicians, their desire to be responsible exceeds their pathetic, God-sized whole need to be worshipped. And a quick way to get a crowd going is to stoke fear and anger. Mm -hmm. Most politicians, I would, I, I, I sometimes felt like um, uh, I would get frustrated with Bernie, who I agree with on uh, virtually uh, uh, everything, because he would stoke anger without giving to me a clear path to how we were going to get it done, and that was frustrating. Now, I, I, I can't, I, I always use this as an example. It's very disturbing to me from my peculiar perch uh, uh, in this sort of showbiz and then activist thing. You can have an affair with an intern in the Oval Office. You'll be forgiven. You can go to war based on false intelligence without a plan. You'll be forgiven. The death penalty in politics is reserved for what I worry about every day. It's being bad on TV. And Howard Dean screamed and right. everybody said, you're get out. Right. Yeah. You know, yes. no pun intended, uh, but, but, but uh, I, I'm sorry, go away. It is unforgivable. And we have a guy who to me is an obscenity, but is riveting uh, television. Have you ever read uh, Amusing Ourselves to Death? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think about that book all the time. Yeah, because that's what he's doing. You know, he's playing right into that. Uh, look, I, I agree with you. I mean, part of it also, look, it's, a, you know, it, it, it's almost 20 years ago with the Dean screen, but, we're, you know, media's changed completely. Now. I mean, it's, it's just the, the both sides-ism. That's what I mean. When, when you're in a place where, you know, the Republicans are going to, you know, push us to default, because, you know, uh, you know, basically with a gun to the, the Biden administration's head. And by the way, if it if it if we do, they know it'll be his administration that presides over the massive job loss and and collapse of the global economy, which they will immediately blame him for. And, you know, and so there's no they don't have nothing to lose by pushing it all the, across the line. The press is still reporting this like there's just a you know the two sides. Will will they negotiate? Oh, uh, you know? Yeah, the guy the guy who runs Warner Brothers Discovery. I'm blanking his name. Who made two hundred and fifty million dollars two years ago? This year he's getting by on uh, forty million. He said, you know, defending CNN. He said we're going to cover both sides. Right. Well, there are both sides to every issue, but I am holding a can. Right. There's also truth. You know, what's yes. the old example? If somebody says it's raining and somebody says it isn't, your job isn't to say that. Your job is to look out the window. Yes. Uh, is, exactly. You know, it's press's job. And it's a merging of, it's funny because as, as an activist, first of all, I, this is a little bit of a, of a detour, uh, but it always makes me laugh. First of all, 
as somebody who's been who got lucky in Hollywood, surfed on some great writing for uh, a number of years and started speaking out on issues, I'm always accused by the right of being, uh, you know, an out of touch, condescending um, celebrity. These people worship the worst human being who was ever in show business. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just stunning uh, to me. Who says I'm richer than you? I'm smarter than you. I mean, it's just incredible. But one way I defend Hollywood advocacy, I don't see any. You know, my friends who are advocates like Julia Louis Dreyfus and a lot of people that I love and work with. I'm not doing what the NRA is. I, I'm not saying you need to pay actors more. You need to give us more credits. Uh, I'm proud of Hollywood activists because I defy somebody to find when they're advocating for something that is in their interest. Usually it's about somebody else. Yeah. So look, I do want to talk about Wisconsin for a yes. bit. And it I, want to, I want to talk with you. I want to talk with you for hours. Um, <laughs> me too. Uh, let, me, let me tell you about Wisconsin because yes. that I, I go back every cycle for almost 25 years now, every cycle. And I saw, I think it was Rove, I think it was 2000, it was Rove, but I think it was 2010, who basically said to the Koch brothers, I'm really oversimplifying this, I don't know what the exact amount was, but I think it was not much for the Koch brothers, tens of millions of dollars. And Rove said, uh, I'll flip these state houses. And he did, because we didn't, compete right we didn't understand and we and we weren't playing that game right what i have seen in wisconsin we need to nationalize what ben wickler has done in wisconsin because the wisconsin democratic party because every election is a one-point election they are battle tested and they have a full year-round connection a financial base early, as you know, early money in politics yep. is a lot more valuable than late money. So Ben has been able to perform miracles. Yeah, he's great. By having a, a full-time staff nationalized a very important Supreme Court race. Right. I'm watching the election returns. I fully thought that we were going to lose the House by much more than we did. But when I saw how close it was. We didn't need to lose it. We don't need to be in this debt limit thing because we lost it in California where we don't try yep. because we're blue. And in New York, if we had done a tenth of what they do in Wisconsin, in New York, in where I live now in California, we would not be having this discussion and Trumpism would be dead. Yeah, what Stacey did in uh, in Georgia. I mean, all, she, yes. it was 10 years of that. It would... Yeah, you know, everybody looks at what happened in twenty twenty. It never would have happened had not ten had Stacy and others, and you know, Fair Fight Georgia and others, had not put yes. all that time and effort doing what Ben's doing in in Wisconsin. Um, and that's a lesson for the whole party because we haven't paid enough attention at legislative races anywhere. That's what we're in this hole where they they can um, you know their legislatures can pass these these yes. crazy laws. You know because we weren't competing at that level. We're looking at Senate, you know, and House and, you know, and president. And for whatever reason, no, never did, and you know. we Democrats, let me excoriate the converted again. We need to fall in love 
we need you know to fall in love you know with uh, with obama as I, you know as as i certainly did but but we are worse at that right. the republicans didn't want trump but trump goes i'll give you the courts i'll give you your tax break they're like they actually vote right yeah uh, you know uh uh vote on their issues but let me let me give some hope here what Please. i have seen in wisconsin is uh what ben has done there my big fear is that young people are going to as much right as they have to be cynical i haven't seen them give up hope i see them um i understanding that despair is a luxury their future can't afford uh i see them in wisconsin making uh, uh uh engaging in the political process and still as frustrating as it is understanding that they have to relentlessly push on it and still believing the fundamental promise of this country that our future is going to be an act of our own imagination and it's working in uh, uh in Wisconsin I don't want to lose Ben and there's no magic to it by the way it's it's in these counties where uh you know we'd lose to Trump by 40% we'd now we'd try and we'd lose by 28%. Right. That's what happened and, in in Alabama with Doug Jones in 2017. Yes. You know no if no democrat done anything down there in 25 years but just by trying by actually starting to to build something there you know you know it was a special election but hell it you know it was an amazing thing but it because it was the work got put in there uh, yes. And we still, you know, he's still trying to build a party down there. It's going to take a while, but uh, but Doug's still determined to do it, you know, but it Boy, it takes that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. God, uh, uh, man, it's so hard not to have him there. It's so hard. Yeah, no, it's just, it, that was the, I'll tell you, the, the I, I've had a lot of, you know, big wins, a lot of big losses. One of the biggest was his win in. 2017. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just, no, I mean, uh, that I'm more proud. I mean, I was proud to be standing there with, with Walter Mondale, with vice president when he won on Iowa and I was the state director. I mean, this goes back when I was a kid, but I'd put that one in and Doug winning as, as two of, you know, the, the things where I thought I really achieved something or helped. And then, uh, and, but the most crushing defeat was him losing in 2020. It just, it, I mean, it was just, um, somebody that good, who worked, you know, 22 bipartisan bills that he got by working with the Republican center across the you know, cross party lines and, and, and Trumpism just, just took over the state. And it was, you know, there's no way it was, a, uh, I mean, it was like just crushing how big it was. So, uh, I'm with you there. The one thing I, I do want to get to, because we're, we're running out of time here a little bit and Alex, demanded that uh, I not let you go without asking you this, this listener question. So uh, it's about the West Wing. Uh, you know, and Alex would kill me if I didn't. He, like many of our listeners, uh, grew up watching. And one thing that stuck with him was the optimism of the show, something you talked about a little, a little earlier, the idea yeah. that a government can actually do things for good. So we have this audience question, let's see, oh, from Sicily in Utah. And she said, how do we get closer to a West Wing ideal when so many are being pulled into disinformation that appeals to their lowest reptilian brainstem impulses, cough MAGA? How can we make the high road inspiring again, to put it another way, my kids go to public school in a red state, 
I spend a good part of my life worrying about if they, they're going to make it home. I really did have lofty ideals and, believe in the, and belief in the system, but it's tough to fight back against the hopelessness. How do we do more than just stay afloat? Progressive covers pets in our auto policy at no extra charge. Now, let's see what your dog has to say. As a dog, I think Progressive's auto pet policy is... Oh, what is that? That's just my tail. <laughs> Weird. Anyway, Progressive protects... There it is again. See? This is why I need protection. I'm so distracted. Nope, that is still my tail. Progressive Auto Insurance covers pets for up to $1,000 in a car accident at no extra charge. And we think your dog would say that's great, too. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with the purchase of collision coverage and subject to policy terms. That is, uh, they want you to believe that there is no hope. They want you to believe that there are no solutions to this. I'm thinking Trayvon uh, Bosley and his mom, Pamela Bosley. Her son and his big brother, Terrell, uh, were killed. They were at the Giffords event last night. Uh, and somebody asked a question like this. This is a woman who's lost a son, and this is a son who's lost a brother and who's lost many friends in, in Chicago. And it is, it's a version, they said, a version of despair is a luxury we cannot afford. and that. If you add, this is exactly what they want you to think. They want you to think your vote doesn't matter. I actually think the votes, I think it does matter. And I think that despair is, it is a luxury our children cannot afford. And it is exactly what they want you to think. I have this argument with my family all the, t all the time who are tend to be progressives and they're like, uh, you know, the system's corrupt. Well, if you abdicate this, especially right now, you're sentencing yourself to a gulag dictated by the people who, um, who, who do participate. And I don't want, I know that's not a satisfying answer, but it's, 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 it's the only answer we have. It's what we owe our children. And I would argue that my parents were born, I, I'm the baby in a big family, and they're long gone. They were born in 1914. They went through the Depression. You know, my dad fought in the war. This battle against racism and inequality and greed and fear of others is a permanent state. And we will always have to fight against it. And I think for someone like me and in our generation we're kind of we're kind of surprised by, by by this and get to despair in a way that the people who I know inspire you and and deeply inspire me what we're up against uh look at what the great civil rights leaders mm, yeah. were up against look at their excuse for despair for inaction so i look to those leaders in much direr uh, 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 situations, they're people I, I take a lot of inspiration from, and I think we all should. Yeah, no, look, I, I think that uh, the thing here is, what, this is what I find crazy about the MAGA movement and, and Trump and DeSantis uh, and this urge, a, a feeling of fear. It's not just fear of the future, of the 
of the other. It's fear of the future. And both of those are really un-American. I mean, this country, we never have feared the future. We blazed a sometimes with mistakes, but we pioneered the future, right? I mean, you know, at every level, there was never a challenge that we didn't look for, that we shied away from. And so what they're basically saying is, no, the ideals of this country, forget that, people aren't equal, it's, we, you have to do things our way. And secondly, you know, fear of the future. It's, you know, whether it's China, whatever, the 700,000 people that are going to come across the border and they're coming for you. They're they're not the best, and you know, go get a gun. I mean, it's all about that stoking. The thing that that gives me the most optimism, uh, Bradley's Generation Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are more engaged than any younger yes. generation. They and and in a different way, like you know, we we I, I don't know about you. I, you know, I dove under desks in in nuclear raid drills. Yeah, you, you know, and um, uh, but you know, you and I didn't like wake up every three days with a nuclear bomb taking out some city somewhere or, you know, or, you know seeing actually happen. These, this generation has been doing, you, you know, active shooting drills in their schools yes. for years. I mean, and, all and, the way through. And, and I, I, and I, I, I agree with you. And I, I, I've talked with like, uh, at that dinner tonight, I got to meet Maxwell Frost and yeah. these kids are, so inspiring to me and they're doing a version of what the civil rights leaders were were doing which is this is what you said this is what you wrote down and uh, despite the founding father's spectacular blindness there uh, i think we can agree with the uh uh with the asp the spectacular unfulfilled aspiration of this country and these seeing these young people understand that power and i think part of the reason the right is so crazy right now and extreme right now is they know that the kids are not going to put up with treating the tiny planet with contempt i am living in a country where 10 times the number of of people killed on 9-11 are killed every year for no reason they're not they don't want to live like that yeah no and they're and, and you can tell they're afraid because they're they're trying to raise. There's some of them are actually talking about raising, raising the voting age to to 25, you know, or something. I mean, it's the level of like craziness on the other side to stop. You know, please hold back because we know we can't win elections. So let's change the rules, uh, and and, and, and make this happen. But you know, Victor Xi, uh, who's a, a a Generation Z, you know, I I just yeah. love following him. Uh, you know, he 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 just looked at a new poll shows sixty one percent of young people approving Biden's job performance more than any other age group. And everybody's like, he's too old. But the youngest generation is the strongest supporters, and they and and they approve him. him. I just think this this generation, you know, they prefer Biden over Trump by twenty one points. Biden over DeSantis by twenty two points. Right, the largest margin of any generation out there. The kids are all right, and and. And they may be the ones who save us because 2024 is really going to to matter. And it, they, I, they give me a lot of optimism. I agree. And I think, and I'm interested in your, uh, I know we're running out of time, but I think uh, 
I tortured myself a little watching a little bits of the Trump thing. And and just because it's interesting, his tells are, first of all, he started talking about Wisconsin right away. Right. uh, Which uh, should uh, I don't think there's and I'm not saying this because I'm from there. Part of Wisconsin isn't just a a mathematical swing state. It's an ideological swing state, Mm -hmm. which is why it was targeted. There's no more effective involvement or, you know, resources politically, I think, than in giving to Wisconsin. The other thing that Trump said was uh, they are extremists. You know, they, it's all lies. You know, they want to kill babies after they're born. They're extremists. They're extremists. The truth is, and our message has to be a combination of an acknowledgement of the truth of their extremism. And I love, and I think Biden is doing this, the unifying, there's a big problem we have had, which was exacerbated with Trump. They have God, just branding that stupid right. word. They have God, they have the flag. They even have, we're good with the economy. Yeah, which is they crazy. Have freedom, they have freedom, yeah. which is completely insane. And Democrats defining themselves as the party of freedom. We are right. not free if you're dropping your kids off. We are not free if you don't have support so that you can pay your debts and get child care. We are not free if we are uh uh you know uh living in in a world of environmental injustice and on an unsustainable planet. And I think that freedom message is mm-hmm. is a great way to go back. It also and it's a way to 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 be inclusive instead of sort of falling into the other, being the other. I mean, it's one thing to talk about, and I know we all, we both care deeply about LGBTQ rights and want to fight for them, but it's, I think Biden's rhetoric of the freedom to love who you want, the freedom to be who you want to be is a more, it's a more powerful American idea. It puts it out there as a very, you know, foundational American ideal instead of sort of in the, you, you know, in a way that, yeah, we're, you, you, that lets the Trump, I mean, they, they want to make it uh, about the other. And I think we've got to make it about the yeah, freedom. It's for hard. Listen, I, I have trans, trans people in my family. I, uh, um, I worked on Transparent, which was, yeah, I, I know a lot of people in that, uh, in that community. They embody pretty fundamental American ideals. Yep. Of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They're not, I, I, I always say to people, I, look, I grew up in the New York theater and, uh, uh, you know, when there was so much homophobia, so, you know, the great threat to conventional marriage of letting gay people get married. Look how it's destroyed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's destroyed. I remember in the Dean campaign, we were, for, we were, Dean was for domestic partnerships. And that, at the oh, time, yeah. People thought that was like, you know, you, you know, uh, uh, disqualifying. Uh, Barack, <laughs> Barack Obama, when he was running for re-election, right, exactly. would not say he yeah. was, uh, you know, he was he was for that. But yeah, they are. I, I think that's a very good way to do. I'm very, uh, you know, they're doing exactly what fascists do. Right. Gender, sexuality freaks everybody out. 
uh, where we have to face the fact that we live in a society where sex is the definition of obscenity and violence is entertainment. We're really fucked up. Yeah. And fascists have always known this. And it's what they did in Germany. They target the queers. Uh, it's incredibly cowardly. Uh, um, people yeah. being themselves in terms of their sexuality is no threat to anybody. So we're at a, out of time, but I have one last question yes. that's really important. I want you to really think about it. Okay. Is this podcast better or worse than Joshua Molina's podcast? Oh, my God. Uh, it is. You got to take the position. You got to take a stand. It is so much better. Did I, did I talk to you about what happened recently with, uh, with Josh? No. Well, you know, I, I got to write a couple of West Wings, and the second one I got to write— I, I had tried to get Josh uh, cut into the memoriam reel at the Screen Actors Guild. I had a check written to the editor so that during the memoriam reel of dead actors, uh, Josh would be in it. <laughs> and the editor chickened out. Uh. And it, in retrospect, it would have been horribly disrespectful to the people who died that year. So I guess it was like, <laughs> but I have this opportunity and i created a uh all i knew going into writing it was i wanted to create a situation where josh had to talk uh, where his character had to say on national tv i'm a terrible actor so i created a situation <laughs> where he's press secretary cj this was after john spencer had passed cj is the chief of staff and she tells josh that um, the president's son-in-law is running for Congress in New Hampshire is having an affair. And he goes, why did you tell me that? And she said, because you're, you're the press secretary. You have to deal with the press. And he goes, exactly. I, I, I should be the least informed person in the room. You taught me that. She says, suck it up. And then he says, I can't act. I am a terrible actor. I don't <laughs> like to pretend. And one of the greatest days of my life was when John Wells, the executive producer at the table read said, it works, it works. So I just saw him in uh, Leopoldstadt, which is a play that everybody should see um, in New York. And uh, I regret to say that Josh is really good in it, but I got, <laughs> the, I got the understudy uh, to play it uh, backstage. The stage manager will come on and say places. And instead of saying places, they played the audio of Josh Molina saying, I'm a terrible act. I, I can't act. I'm a terrible actor. I don't like to pretend. Then, and I'm not going to say how this happened, Josh and the cast of Leopoldstadt went to City Field to watch the Mets. They, inter uh, they introduced Josh uh, in the stands, and then they cut from him. And on the uh, Jumbotron, they played Josh Molina saying, I can't act. I'm a terrible actor. <laughs> it's one of the joys of my life. But That's now good. I'm afraid because something's going to happen. Yeah. Well, I don't want to get on your bad side, man. Oh, but, no, no, no. Anyway, uh, listen, uh, uh, thanks for coming on. It was a pleasure. I hope, I hope we can talk uh, talk later. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to that trippy yeah, show. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for caring. Bradley, hey, where can people uh, keep up with you on Twitter or, or anywhere else? What am I called? I, I think I'm Bradley Whitford. Uh, at, Brad, at Bradley Whitford on Twitter. 
uh, and on Instagram, Jesus, Twitter, my God, what yeah. a fucking... Uh, it's all messed up. Well, look, we'll put that in the show notes, along with, uh, folks, I put a couple other things, uh, the Wisconsin Dems. Uh, yeah, uh, and, all of the Wisconsin Dems. Uh, and the uh, Brady Center uh, yes. campaign for uh, to prevent gun violence. We'll put links there, too, so you can support and, or join uh, them. Put a link for uh, Be a Hero, too. Okay, and we'll put a link I, for Be a Hero in there as well. Great. A reminder that this podcast will always be free and it's now part of Resolute Square. Check out the latest at resolutesquare.com slash trippy. Please subscribe to that trippy show. Leave a review on Apple or wherever you listen. Uh, We'll see you again next week. Thanks, Bradley, for coming on.